Okay, we're uh, in the book of 1 John. We're going to be uh, testing the spirits tonight. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, we're going to be at. I hope everybody had a nice week. Okay. 1 John. This apostle's letter speaks authoritatively about the truth of the incarnation, a message John's doubting readers needed after hearing false teachers deny the full divinity and humanity of Christ. It reaffirms the core of Christianity, saying that either we exhibit the sound doctrine, obedience, and love that characterizes all Christians, or else we are not true Christians. When all the basics of faith are in operation, we not only know joy, but can live a holy life and be assured of our salvation, even though we are still far from perfect. This assurance comes especially as we find ourselves learning to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. This is the basic theme of 1 John. We've been going over it now uh, for several weeks. It's the same theme. It, we're going to carry on, but we're going to be testing the spirits a little bit this evening. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. And we've talked about other things, the assurance of our salvation. And, and through this, this gives us our assurance of our salvation, or it convicts us. And, and I just love the way it tells, uh, it, first off, it speaks to John has written this letter to his doubting readers. Now, a lot of them were young believers that just come into the faith and and what had happened is the Gnostics came in and tried to pervert the gospel. They tried to change the message. They tried, they tried to say Jesus uh, was not 100% God and born into flesh of a man. They started to say he was spirit. They started to change things and they tried to bring pain in, the, in these young believers' lives. And, and maybe we don't have a lot of Gnostics now today. Uh, I, I don't know. The closest thing I would say is... is, is uh, uh, masonry, you know, and uh, I have a, a lot of dear friends in that, and but my learning and understanding of it was more light, further light, and one day you can reach the celestial lodge, and we go to a funeral, and we pray for my brother to go to the celestial lodge, and, and but as he heard about Jesus, they've had brotherly love, relief, and truth, they got the Shriners Hospital, they're doing magnificent things in this world, but they're leaving out Jesus. They're leaving out Jesus. How can we leave out Jesus? A lot of them have their churches. A lot of them do believe in Jesus. Maybe they haven't dug into it that far. We have to listen to the spirits in our soul. God has given us a spirit inside of each saved individual, beloved, in your soul. Your spirit should speak to you and let you know. It should throw up a red flag and say, something don't seem right there. And if that's the case, it is. But remember, we can't rely on our own understanding. We can't rely on our own heart. If we're not in Christ and know his word, then we're going to struggle. So that was part of this. Then the other part was allowing you to know that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a propitiation with, uh, for our sins. The trading place is for me and you, beloved. 
Then all we have to do is confess our sin, acknowledge what we're doing wrong, and confess it, and surely he'll forgive us. That assurance of our salvation that he promises us. And then finally, we we talk about the, the, the testing or loving one another. Well, loving one another gives us it gives us that assurance of our salvation too. Are, are we capable of loving one another? And it's very interesting. Uh, you know, and I spent uh, I I, sh- I ran down this rabbit hole last week, and you know, thank goodness. Let me back up by telling you, I used to have this German shepherd. He was a 140-pound shepherd. He was the most beautiful dog you could ever imagine. A lot of you guys know who he was. And this dog, he loved me. He knew that I was his master. He wanted to please me. He taught me more about love than anything in this world could teach me about love other than Jesus because he wanted to please his master and do and do whatever his master said. And he'd have that look about him where he'd look at me, and I'd say something to him, and he'd turn his head sideways kind of a little bit, you know. Maybe he wasn't understanding me, but he wanted to please me. Well, the other night, there's nothing better when three brothers get, get together, and they want to talk about the Lord, you know. And you got a couple old dogs there sitting there, and you got this young pup, and all of a sudden he starts talking about God's Word. And, you know, we know from John, and uh, that, that in the book of John, that tells us, that they know his voice. The shepherd, the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice. They want to please his master. And we have three men sitting there, and you got a young pup talking, and he starts expounding on God's word. And it's not him, it's God's word. It's the truth of God's word that's drawing us in. And we're both sitting there looking, and our heads are turning sideways because he's talking maybe above us at this point in time. But we want to, we really want to, we, we just hunger and thirst for our God. We, we want to know our God more more we want to get closer to him we want to be able to share his word and we sit together as brothers and we had just a wonderful time uh what 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 an awesome time to be to be there and understanding and the truth of what i'm telling you the, the we know the we the sheep know the shepherd's voice we hunger we thirst for his word. So even though there was an age difference, that didn't matter. We speak the truth. It speaks to our hearts. It's just, I, I, I just can't express how much joy that, that brings into my heart. And, and I know, beloved, if you gather with fellow saints and you keep in mind the, the hunger and thirst for God's word and you look for edification, uh, you, will, you will receive it. That's a promise God gives us. God does, gives us hope. He doesn't want us to feel uh, lost or troubled. He assures us of this. And that's through his word. So that brings me to those rabbit hole I was chasing. Was because it says test the spirits. Well, you know, first thing I got. Well, I got a spirit, don't I? I got a spirit. I got a soul. I got a body because this verse says that and and so first, I always have to go, before I can test the spirit outside of me, I got to make sure inside of me is right. Is this, am I representing John or am I representing God? You hold a position at this church. You, you, you come to the church, you're representing the church in a leadership position. Don't come as yourself. Come as a representative for God, for the church to do the right thing. You, you have to ask yourself, who am I representing today? My flesh? My spirit? 
So first off, I always have to ask myself, my spirit. I have to check my spirit and see where I'm at. And I spent three days on that. And my brother says to me, I, I don't even know why we're talking about this. That, that's not even in, in, in the message. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to be expository preachers. We're starting to, to interpret the text that we have in front of us and expound on it and share that to our readers. But I, I have to say something about that. Here I find a man... Simon Peter, just a great apostle, a dearly beloved apostle. And I ask you, and I ask you, beloved, how is this? How is this in Matthew? Peter's there. And Simon Peter replied, he says to Christ, he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Here Peter went to the highest levels. He ascended to the highest levels with his spirit, his his whole being. He said something that didn't even come from him. And Jesus says that that had to come from above. But then we go down. Verse 22 this, is like, this ain't a chapter over, beloved. This is like four verses over. This, this all happened in practically a breath. Then he says, And Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, lords, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He went from the highest levels to the lowest levels. You know, what about us? As, As saved people, beloved, do we do that? Can we do that? Is it is it is it our soul, our personalities, our I don't know to define the the inner makings of us, but I can tell you in each and every one of us, we still have a fallen nature in us. We have to to be able to evaluate ourselves. And by the way, just as a side note, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. All right? Now, I have yet to find anywhere in Scripture where it ordains us or it tells us to communicate to Satan. Okay, nowhere in Scripture where you'll ever find gives you the authority for you to talk to Satan and tell him to get behind you. You have an advocate with, advocate with the Father. You have the Holy Spirit that's in you. You pray to the Holy Spirit. You ask the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's given you, in 1 John 4, 4, a power that's inside of you that's greater than the power than all the world. That means that's him. That's the Antichrist, that's Satan, that's him. You pray to him. Uh, And I I guess the same goes that we don't need to go to a psychic reader and try to talk to the dead. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture either. And I know oftentimes we we, we like to say that. We just say that. But uh, this, this verse here, the only time I find in Scripture is I see Jesus. Because remember, Jesus... He's right now, he's sitting at the right hand of God. He's put all dominion and authority under him. Everything is his footstool. 
He is in complete control. He's our sovereign God. Uh, and I, I think uh, when we're testing the spirits, we should, we should know that when other people begin to talk and speak. And I guess what I'm trying to get at when I'm still talking about ourselves is I want us just to keep a watchful eye. I want us to examine our, continue to examine our hearts, our intentions, and our souls. Uh, because I guarantee you, it will bring pain into your life and it will bring pain into other people's lives. Uh, so, that's that part of it. We, we're, we begin to read, it says, Beloved, do not believe in every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, we, we already had language like this in uh, the second chapter. And just to, just to back up a little bit, not, 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 not really, just, you know, hearing false teachers, hearing that false teachers, that, that spirit, we read in 2 Peter verse 2, 1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing up themselves with swift destruction. See, here's 2 Peter saying that, it's interesting words here, that but false prophets also arose among the people, and to me, when I think of prophet, I think of the Old Testament and who God has come upon that prophet to speak his word, to be his ambassador and to speak his word. Today, I believe uh, the prophecy that I have is in, in God's word, that it's all been written for me. The canon's been sealed. I speak God's word. So if, if I'm prophesizing, it's out of this book. I do not get no divine revelation from God. This book's been written. I cannot add to it. So when it says prophets, that's kind of how I look at that. But it also says, also arose among them the people just that there will, will be false teachers. Now, see, I like that, false teachers. See? Uh, and I believe that Christianity is one of the, the most uh, imitated, fake, they try to fake it more than any other of false religions. False heretical religions don't need to have uh, to be faked or misinterpretations of it. But we see Christianity through the ages have continually been false teachers to mislead people, to, to guide people down roads uh, that are heresies. And it tells us that we should know, and this gives us our assurance, so it tells us that denying Christ. Well, the Christ that they're talking about is Christ of the Bible, a triune God, a God that was with God in the beginning, before time. He manifested himself in the form of his creation. He lived a sinless life. He died. He arose on the, cry, on the cross. This is the Jesus that we believe in. 
If someone denies that, so if a teacher misinterprets that or begins to tell you something outside of that, and how do we know that? Because it's the authoritative word of God. The Bible tells us exactly God's word. And anything in this Bible that, a, that someone is opposed to or rejects or tries not to teach, uh, they don't believe in Jesus. This is, we believe in the Jesus of the Holy Bible. And that, that brings me to a point also that if somebody hears a passage in this Bible and you would point out to them and address their sin and they get angry about it and they deny it, they're, they're denying Christ. There, there's no one or the other. So you'll see anger come out of people. They'll, they'll accept Jesus as they're committing their sin, and they'll accept that Jesus, but they're not accepting the Jesus of the Bible. Now, I don't want to go into all the false religions that I've already went over and covered, but I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. And I wanted to also, for welcome to everybody that's online, and, I, and I, if anybody would like a Bible that's listening online, I, I have this Bible here, it's a wonderful ESV Bible, uh, I'd love to give it to you. Reach out to us. Uh, kind of using it tonight, and uh, there's nothing more powerful than God's Word. It, it will change your life. So I, I think, uh, I just want to let you know that. This Bible right here, I'll give to you. Who would ever like it? It's the ESV version. It's a Gideon Bible. Uh, it's a lovely Bible. And in this, I wanted to go to First uh, John, the second chapter, when it's, it defines for us already about those who went out from us, as I was reading, oh, right here it says, uh, false prophets, it says, uh, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether there are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And remember when we read, when we were going through the book in chapter 2, it basically says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Now see, beloved, it, it, this is a person, Then I've been over this before, this is a person, they've, they've came to the full revelation, the full knowledge who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit has laid upon their hearts, has pressed upon their hearts, done the drawing, pulled them to it. They know who he is, and they says, you know what? I reject Jesus. I want to live my life. I want to live my sin. I love my sin more than I love Jesus. I reject him, and they go out from us. They were never of us. They were never saved. They were never regenerated. They might have said the prayer. They might have said something or led you to believe it, but when they went out from you and rejected Jesus, they were never of you, and he refers to them as Antichrist because then they start to, 
they start to deliver and share false doctrines, false ideologies. Remember, Paul refers it to it as to what we fight against. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against strongholds and ideologies and thought processes. These thought processes and ideologies is the Antichrist as people themselves. Outright denying Christ. They go out into the world. They weren't of us. I believe the most dangerous, that's easy to spot, beloved. That's easy to spot them people. Uh, And by the way, we don't give up on them. We still share the truth. We still pray for them. But it's the person that sits in the church. It's the person that claims to be in Christ. And they're, they're in a church and... Their churches, they have seven letters that they write in, in Revelations. And I believe only two of the churches that kind of pass. But the rest of them, you hear the wrath of God coming down upon them. And they're professing people. They're the people that are going to get to the end and say, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that. And he'll say, depart from me, workers of iniquity. Well, along the way, so be it. That'll be their punishment. That'll be on them. But, beloved, we are to test the spirits. And to test the spirits, we must know the scriptures. We must look if they have love in their heart. We can see that. Uh, a Christian, a saved, regenerated soul will have love in his heart. We'll be able to love his brother. We'll be able to see that. But these are the most harmful out of all of them, are the ones that sit in churches, proclaim Christ is Lord. They speak the word but they're not doers of the word. Continually we read in scripture where it tells us not just to speak the word, but to be doers of the word, to live the word. This gives us our assurance. If we not only speak it, but we're doing it, this gives us our assurance of our salvation. This letter was written to give you the assurance and the confidence of your, of your salvation. I was reading this morning, we were doing a Bible study, and it was a revelation when John fell down at the feet of Jesus, when he come before him, he falls down. And what does Jesus immediately do? He tells him, it's okay, it's okay, get up, it's okay. What, what does John do for us in, is it chapter 16, right about there, when Jesus, it's a Thursday night, and Jesus is going to go and have the weight of the world pressed upon him. He's going to bear all of our sins. He has to go through all this agony. He's going to be, he's going to be sweating blood. He knows what's going to go on. And his disciples, they're all troubled. They, 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 they weren't exhibiting the love as Christ tells us to love. They were con- still concerned about themselves. And, and I understand why they would be concerned about themselves. At that time, they believed the Messiah was going to come back. He was with them. He was in their presence. He was doing these miracles. They could touch him. They could feel him. They see him with the old, their own eyes. He wasn't a Gnostic, a spirit that was floating around. This was God himself manifested himself in his creation. He was with the disciples. And now he tells them troubling things. He says, Beloved, I'm going to, they're going to capture me. They're going to take me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to murder me. I understand why they were so troubled. Their hearts were so troubled. 
And you know what Jesus does even in his his last hour? He reassures them and gives them hope. He gives them hope. He says, I'm going to go, but I'm going to be back. I'm going to come right back. I'm going to give you a power greater than all this world, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you this power, and I'm going to put it inside of you. Your troubles that... It, it, it uses a metaphor as a, as a woman having birth pains into the fact that a woman has such horrible birth pains and it's just traumatic going on. But after that child's born, the, the pains are gone in the joy of motherhood to see that child. He's using that metaphor to give them hope. He's saying to them, listen, the pains and your troubles and your struggles may be now, but it's, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm your God. I'm going to die for you. I'm going on this cross for you. This has to be done. See, that was the love. That was the love that, when he said this commandment, he said, I give to you you a new commandment. See, they, they knew the letter of the law in the Old Testament, how to love your, by the letter it tells you how to love. But Jesus, God, by manifesting himself in the form of his creation, showing them what he was going to do, giving them hope and assurance, shows, it, shows them a love a, as a new commandment, a love that passes all understanding. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. And little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Here again, here's that assurance. Little children, and we know that he's referring to the young believers that just have that He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And who is in the world? The the Antichrist, the false ideologies, the false thought processes, pain, troubles. But he in you is greater than all the world. This is one of the most, this verse right here after I read uh, Romans 8.1, that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are not, who, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but the spirit. And there's that word again, spirit. And that's why I got stuck on there three days. For the spirit, it's in myself. It's the spirit that each and every one of us has. And then we have these, these other spirits out there that we work against, that we fight against in our everyday life. But who are they? They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. If you have somebody trying to solve infinite problems with worldly solutions, that may be talking to your flesh. The, the world and its answers to eternal questions to our souls cannot answer it. But what happens, beloved? If you're listening to worldly solutions to your troubles that you're in right now, the word is very clear what goes on. Uh, the persecution. If you're a lover of Christ and you're speaking the truth to Christ, then, then we've, we've been in a, a common grace in this country for several hundred years. That, that doesn't make it so. We're just sojourners in this world. That just that doesn't make it so. There may become a time when there's going to be persecution. 
there's going to be pain, there's going to be trouble. And then you're going to have all these antichrists and false ideologies and thought processes going to try to give you a pill or try to give you some other solution, try to give you some worldly solution and tell you something you need. They'll do it from the pulpit, they'll do it from the medical rooms, they'll do it all abroad. If you're not getting it from God's Word, it's, it's going to bring pain in your life. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. See, the world will listen to them, because it's speaking to their worldly desires. It's speaking towards their fleshly desires. And beloved, even as saved people, we could get carried off into that. If we listen to an antichrist or a false teacher begin to speak to our flesh about how we could live the best life now and we should have these things and we should have it more abundantly, that speaks to our flesh. I don't want pain. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want that. And if someone speaks that and they say, well, this is what God wants for you in your life, and they begin to tell you all these things, it's like, is this what God, are you trying to sway me? You know, in, in James it says, consider it all joy, my brother, when you face various trials and tribulations. Well, how do I tell my brother Bob, who his granddaughter just overdosed on drugs, to face that with all joy? And how, how do I tell him that? That's not the God that's being preached by the false teachers. They're going to make some excuse up. But he, he rejects that in his soul. And we've prayed with my brother. And uh, he, he's understanding the sovereignty of God and accepting it. See, that's the greatest thing, is we don't have to understand things. We don't have to understand the whole Bible. We just have to believe it. When it tells me that, I believe it. And I love getting into the mix of it to try to get a greater, a greater understanding. So don't be carried off by that. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Not to me, personally, but listen to us. Remember the story I told you about the dog, the, the shepherd I had? And then I told you about the, the three men that they're gathered, and there's a couple of old dogs, and there's this young pup talking, you know? And, and, the, and the old dogs are turning their heads sideways because, man, he is talking. His language is unbelievable, but it's not his language. It's God's given him the language to speak, and it speaks to our souls. See, it's God. Whoever knows God's listens to us. When you hear God's word, it will speak to your heart. All that other nonsense, if it's not speaking to your heart, reject it. Ask yourself, test yourself, evaluate yourself. Is it me? Or am I in the spirit? Am I walking in the flesh? Or am I walking in the spirit? We have to continually ask ourselves that. So we're continually questioning our motives. Then we have to continually question the motives of other who are, others who are trying to feed us and edify us. That we don't get led down false roads. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and spirit of error. We can know the spirit of truth and by error. So, beloved, when you're drawn to God's word, when you hear God's word expounded on, when you hear the truth of God's word 
and you're drawn by that and you feel a peace and a comfort. That's assurance of your salvation. If you reject it, if you have sound doctrine, a sound preacher preaching the gospel to you, and you reject it because you love your sin more than you love God, then I ask you to begin to question yourself. I, I pray for your soul right now today. I, so when we share God's word, it's not John, it's not Cliff, it's not Logan, it's, it's God. We share God's word and may the weight of God's word bear down on your soul. May it just bear down and impress on you so much. It's going to do one of two things. It's going to give you the assurance of your salvation or it's going to convict you. Or you will go out from us because you were never of us and you will reject him. And so I, I just want to finish up by saying uh, to prepare for a message, you chase a lot of rabbits, you put all this paperwork in and all this stuff I didn't, I didn't read, but I had it all with me. I wrote it down and I write it here and I try to put it to memory and I got, I got all these pages, you know. And uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to, I didn't get a chance to read them all to you tonight. Uh, but what we try to do when we prepare for God's word, we try to write it on our hearts. We try to write it on our hearts, and we come and we share that. We share it from our heart. And the reason we share it from our heart is, is we want one to come to believe. We want one to come to repentance. We want one to come to believe. And we want you to get on the right side of things. I wanted to open us in a prayer, and I'll just do my opening and closing prayer all together because I passed right over that. But I thought it was a really good way to just read Scripture back into a prayer. As I'm reading my scripture, I, I, I'm saying this prayer. I'm saying this prayer for you, beloved. And, and I'm reading in First Thessalonians, it says, now may, let me just say this in prayer. I pray to an all-holy, merciful, loving God. I pray and I ask him today for the for peace himself sanctify you completely. I pray the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you can take and give a new heart and a new spirit to put within those out there that need that, Father. I pray, I pray, and you will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I pray out there to whosoever listening, a cry out from the altar, a cry out from God, that I, I cry out to God that he can remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I pray that he'll put his spirit within you 
The same Spirit in 1 John 4, 4, that the power that's inside of you is greater than the power of the whole world. I pray that God will put that power, that Spirit, inside of you. Cause you to walk in His statutes and be careful to obey His rules. I pray with the surrender of those who need to surrender, I pray for your hearts tonight. I pray that there can be a complete surrendering. I understand right now that if you just surrender, if you cry out to the Lord, if you repent, you cry out to the Lord, you hear His Word, you're being drawn by His Word, and today is the day of reckoning for you. You, you have to come to this point in your life. And you cry out to the Lord. And He promises that He'll give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. In closing, the love, the love that Jesus shared. He had loved you. You also are to love one another. We know Jesus calls the commandment to love one another new because He is giving it a new meaning and a new context. The Old Testament law commanded the Israelites to love their neighbors, but Jesus' commandment goes beyond that. He says that his followers should love one another as he has loved them. This means that we should love each other with the same kind of sacrificial love that Jesus showed us. In the Old Testament, the law of love was often interpreted in a legalistic way. People would focus on following the letter of the law, but they would not always have their heart of love. Jesus commanded to love one another is not about following rules. It's about, it is about having a heart of love. It is about putting the needs of others before your own, even when it's difficult. Beloved, I pray that we could put the needs of others before our own, as it is difficult. The disciples were not doing a bad job of loving each other, but they were not loving each other in the same way that Jesus loved them. They were still focused on their own needs and desires. Are we focused on our own needs and our own desires? And they were not always willing to put others first. Jesus' commandment to love one another as he has loved them was a challenge to them. And I hope it's a challenge to you, beloved, to go deeper in their love for each other, that we may go deeper in our love for each other. The commandment to love one another is still a challenge for Christians today. And it is. We understand it. We often focus on loving those who are easy to love. But Jesus calls us to love even those who are difficult to love. Are you able, beloved, to love the able to love the difficult ones? We are called to love our enemies and to forgive those who have wronged us. This is not easy, but it is the kind of love that Jesus showed us. When we love one another as Jesus has loved us, we are showing the world what it means to be a Christian. We, beloved, are showing the world what it means to be a Christian. 
by loving the way Christ loved us. We are not showing that we are different from the world because we are not motivated by selfishness or hatred. We are motivated by love. Let us all have that love in our heart. Let us all pray for that love and a deeper understanding of it. And we just pray all these things in your name tonight, Jesus. Amen.